Hello and welcome to From the Trenches, the Business Examiner podcast. My name is John McDonald. This episode's guest is Ross Marshall, Senior Vice President at CBRE in Victoria. Ross is a real estate veteran on the island, personally handling some of the region's highest profile transactions, including Mount Washington and the Western Speedway. We cover his personal involvement in changing the capital region's skyline, alongside his thoughts on the local real estate market, personal development approach, and much more. Our interview starts now. First and foremost, thanks thanks again for having me on the show. Really appreciate it. Uh, my name is Ross Marshall, and I'm the Senior Vice President at CBRE in Victoria. CBRE is a global, in fact, we're the largest commercial real estate firm in the world with uh, over about 100,000 employees. But locally, my business partner, Chris Russ, and I run the Investment Properties Group. And we specialize in the, uh, the sale of commercial real estate being retail, office, and industrial. And then, of course, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of uh, apartment buildings and development properties as well. And we, we also have the luxury of, of getting involved in some pretty unique sales like the, uh, the sale of Mount Washington, which we were a part of uh, a few years ago. And most recently, uh, a current listing that we have uh, the Victoria Inter- International Marina. Oh, wow. That's yeah, that's high profile. I had no idea about Mount Washington. That's pretty cool. Um, I want to jump into those listings in a, in a sec here, but if you could give me a little bit of your career background. I mean, I did the, the brief dive on social media, what's there for your corporate profile, but can you give me a bit of uh, an idea of how you got into commercial real, real estate, maybe a couple of highlights uh, as, as your careers evolved? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, grew up in Victoria uh, and then went to UVic and, and, uh, and then made the move over to Vancouver to finish my schooling at BCIT. And that was in the late 90s. And the dot-com world was going bananas. And there was tons of opportunities in the world of software.com. And I was recruited right out of BCIT by a software developer um, on the sales side of things. And I mean, don't get me wrong, that was fun. And I had a great opportunity there to make good money right out of school. Uh, got to travel. But at the end of the day, I just wasn't passionate about the world of technology and software itself. And um, I happened to be living with uh, my roommate was was a real estate broker at the time. And our circle of friends had a lot of a lot of uh, guys that were involved directly or, or indirectly in commercial real estate, both on the development and brokerage side. So after a couple of years in, in software, I transitioned into development in Vancouver and worked for a really prominent developer um, in Vancouver. But I, I, I found out shortly after that, probably about a year in, that I really missed sales and uh, I wasn't fit to be an employee. I wanted to work for myself and get back to sales. I loved real estate. Um, I loved what I was doing. I loved the people that I was working with. But um, I wanted the opportunity to get back to, um, to sales. And so I transitioned to brokerage. And um, that's when I started interviewing with a number of different brokerage firms and then ended up at Avis & Young in Vancouver, where I was lucky enough to work alongside of some of the best and most prominent um, brokers in the city. Learned a ton, 
uh, met a ton of uh, both local and national, private and institutional investors. I did a lot of traveling to Toronto at the time when I was in Vancouver um, and did that for a few years and then realized being from Victoria originally that um, I might want to end up back in Victoria to raise a family and, and, and carry on with my career and noticed that the market was severely underserviced in my opinion on the brokerage side. So I, uh, I made the move back to Victoria. That was about 14 years ago now. And when I landed here, I, I went and worked with Rick Pettinger and his team. At the time, it was DTZ Barnaki, now Devoncore, and had a great time there. Um, great bunch of people. But uh, an opportunity presented itself to open the CBRE office in Victoria, and I couldn't pass it up. So together with my uh, business partner, Chris Rust, we... we opened the office and started flying the flag uh, almost nine years ago now. Yeah. Um, you mentioned uh, briefly in your intro there about a couple of deals uh, that you mentioned. The Mount Washington one is, is pretty crazy, just having grown up on the island uh, myself and spending a good amount of time there um, and maybe a couple of other deals that you're particularly proud about being involved in. The past five years, I mean, we've been involved in in over $1.3, $1.4 billion worth of sales. So lots of really sort of iconic and, and, um, and, and awesome properties that we've had the opportunity to work on and you know, great clients to work with. But you know, if, if there were a couple that stood out, um, most definitely, I'd say the assembly of properties in, uh, in downtown Victoria and Harris Green, uh, that's a full city block. We had to work with a number of owners, multiple owners um, to approach them off market buy their properties um and uh, more specifically i'm talking about the market on yates london drugs that whole city block from yates to quadra to view and to vancouver and then also the harris auto site on the corner of cook and, and yates so i mean that was a a massive undertaking with a with an exceptional investment development company out of toronto called starlight they shared the same vision as I did. They saw, you know, just an exceptional opportunity to change the skyline and to redevelop the neighborhood and, you know, add a hundred thousand square feet of retail and about 1500 rental units to the market when everything's said and done. So I'm, I'm really excited for that to, uh, to be under construction, hopefully in the, in the next uh, year or two. Um, that's definitely one in the core. I think, you know, the West Shore, obviously, we've seen that um, essentially transform, and uh, we're proud to have been part of a lot of the, the transformation that exists today, um, having brokered a number of deals and brought big institutional um, and well-capitalized players to the market. Um, a lot of the, the, uh, the core of the downtown Goldstream Avenue in Langford from Veterans to Pete um, most of the retail properties on either side of that road, uh, I was responsible acting for a buyer out of Toronto again called First Capital. It's going back probably seven or eight, nine years ago. Um, but it's essentially buying up all those properties with a vision to, to remodel, revamp, repurpose, retenant uh, all those, those buildings into what is currently, you know, the new uh, the new Langford, the new downtown Langford. Um, and then we since actually sold 
those properties again to um, a German investment group uh, just a couple of years ago. That, and I guess another one that's worthy of mentioning is, is the Western Speedway site that we recently sold, which is 80 acres. I mean, exceptional property, intergenerationally owned. Um, and, you know, one of a very few large tracts of land left to be developed. And, and we sold that to just recently to a joint venture, a couple developers out of Vancouver that, um, have plans to develop that into the premier business park on the island, a mix of industrial, commercial, and a small component of residential. Wow. It's really cool for your, your job in general because you have the opportunity to work in these legacy type projects, right? Where you can go back, you know, every time you drive around for the, for the rest of your life, you can look back and see that you had a part in kind of reshaping uh, the capital region. It's pretty crazy. It's a, yeah, no, I, I definitely love what I do. Yeah. Well, that's great. One of the things I wanted to jump into a little bit here is, uh, is in building your, your business and brand, um, in the capital region. And I think you touched on it briefly about you, you started about 14 years ago, um, in, in Victoria. Can you speak to a little bit about, um, what you've done or if there's some things that you've been really intentional about as you've gone to, to build maybe a personal brand and just a reputation. I see a lot of stuff about you on social media, um, some of the stuff that you do with us as well, but are you able to flush it out a little bit? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I, I've spent the, the better part of about two decades building my business and brand and commercial real estate. And, and really, you know, I've done that with, with basically just a growth mindset and a belief that, Discipline, hard work, and resilience is the absolute key to success in, in both business and life. So it's, it's, I mean, that's, it's really that simple. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's phenomenal. Um, is there some advice that you would give um, for, you know, younger or even just entrepreneurs um, in general about the, th the steps that they can take? You mentioned, you know, Kind of the resilience and hard work is there have you been strategic in kind of the relationship that you've developed or is it just things that have kind of happened organically as a result of digging into those uh, the things that you mentioned I, I think and i say this because i'm i i'm a mentor in the in the commerce program at uvic for for the commerce students and so i have a number of different mentees um every year and and i always say the same thing um and it's it's really there there are no shortcuts work in life is, is really just a bunch of sprints within a marathon. And usually there's no finish line in sight. And, and so what I tell them is, you know, you got to set goals, you got to measure your progress and you got to be patient. But once again, that said, there's, there's absolutely no substitute for hard work. So be the hardest worker in the room. And, and I think, you know, equally, if not more importantly, make sure you love what you're doing. That's great. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, want to jump into capital region commercial uh, markets? Um, did you speak to a couple of uh, key trends that you're seeing? It's uh, the obvious is just the supply and demand imbalance, which continues to be the theme. Um, we're seeing investors and developers from across the country, both private and institutional, competing for product, tripping over one another, limited product um, on the West Coast and specifically now Greater Victoria. Um, this, of course, puts 
downward pressure on cap rates and upward pressure on pricing, both on development land and buildings. And, you know, there's, there's, I think there's two reasons for that. Well, there's, I mean, there's more than two, but a couple would, would be groups looking to capitalize on historically low interest rates, but also what we keep hearing from new investors to Victoria or, or those that are calling on us um, to, to find them properties, whether they're institutional or private capital, um, they're looking to rebalance their portfolio. They like the stability that exists in real estate on the West Coast. We tend to weather the storms, the turbulence better than the resource rich economies like Alberta and Winnipeg. So there's a lot of companies that are saying, hey, you know, we're, we had a number of properties in Winnipeg and Edmonton and Calgary, and, and, and now we're going to consider the disposition of some of those in order to beef up our presence with real estate on the West Coast and, and specifically Victoria. The challenge will always be finding scale here for the institutional guys, but um, you know, when, when there are op opportunities that exist, you know, plus sort of 20, 50, 100 million, um, there's lots of institutional capital chasing those. You mentioned the institutional and private is, I mean, I, are you able to differentiate between the two a little bit in terms of maybe what kind of investments they're looking for? Is it just strictly like a dollar thing, like the institutional investors are just looking to spend more money? Or is there a bit of a different, maybe a longer term approach with them compared to the private investors? Yeah, I mean, typically, well, private investors can have a similar approach to, to real estate as some, as some of the institutions. And typically, they'll have various different buckets of money to, you know, they'll have a value add fund, they'll have a, a long-term fund. They have a long-term fund, they're looking to, to get good real estate, park it in the fund and hold on to it for a long time. Returns can be low, um, but they, they've they invested in, in good product and, and they can expect good returns for a long time. But both institutional and, and private will also chase properties where they can, can acquire them, um, add value to them by renovating them or repurposing them and then selling them for a profit. Um, so it really depends on each institution and each, you know, private individual and, and their, and their, um, the real estate goals and requirements. Well, that's great. Um, and then trend wise in the next three to six months is, are you expecting things to stay fairly steady as they are? Are there any, are there any changes or things uh, that you expect coming up? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm of the opinion. I think we're going to see more of the same, especially for the, in, in the near future. The reality is um, the government can't continuously print money like they have and expect for um, expect there to be no inflation. And the conversation I've been having with a lot of investors is, is just that, you know, the, with inflation comes the, devaluing of, of money and capital. And so those with a lot of capital sitting on the sidelines want to put it to work. They want to buy bricks and mortar. They want to buy real estate assets, which are going to benefit from appreciation by, you know, the increase in value as opposed to the de decreasing value of, of cash sitting on the sidelines. It's just, there's, there's a lot of capital on the sidelines, especially after a year, the past year of COVID where, there was a lull for a good six months where just no one was putting their capital to work. So now everyone's racing to get that capital into the market. 
and find good uh, real estate opportunities. Oh, that's great. Um, one of the things that we talked about in the lead up to this to this interview is some of the transitions uh, that uh, that you're noticing in conversations with clients about the downtown uh, core and a little bit of a migration into um, suburban markets or the surrounding the area. Can you speak to that a little bit about some of the trends that you're seeing with some of the areas uh, like Royal Bay and Colwood and Langford and kind of what you expect um, to, to happen in those areas? Yeah, definitely. We're we're seeing we're seeing the markets like Colwood. You mentioned Royal Bay, Royal Beach, um, Langford. There's there's obviously West Hills and and soon to be Western Speedway, or what will what will be renamed Langford Heights. There's these wonderful new communities um, that are primarily residential right now, but have plans to have um, city cores, which will consist of everything from office to retail and 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 uh, in addition to the residential. So it's inevitable that we're, we're going to see office product uh, in these neighborhoods that are experiencing exceptional growth. The, the lion's share of the growth is in the West Shore. And the reality is people wanna, would prefer to work closer to where they live. Are there a couple of developers that you're seeing out there that are looking to, um, I don't know what you can or can't say on that, but um, some people, companies to watch that are, that are making investments in those areas? Well, I, I can tell you one in particular that we're involved in. Um, there's a tech company, a local tech company in town called Plexus that uh, I worked with to help them buy a site in West Hills, just directly adjacent to the YMCA. So, you know, that will be a portion of what is deemed to be the new commercial core in, in the West Hills master plan community. So they, the principal there acquired the land to build a uh, office building. Um, they're going to occupy two floors, but we're going to have four floors of class A office space release with, you know, great views of the lake, of Langford Lake. And that's just, you know, that's just one of, of many that are in the works. I know that the developer Seacliff Properties at um, Royal Beach has plans to uh, provide for and allow for the development of office buildings, as does um, Royal Bay. And of course, the Western Speedway site or Langford Heights is also uh, an exceptionally good site, well-located um, and gonna be a great business park. So likelihood of, of that being uh, a site for potential office is strong. The other thing I think worthy of mentioning is the government has been testing, I think testing the waters and had a couple RFPs out for space, office space in the West Shore. I think it goes without saying that it makes a lot of sense to, for, for government to consider to have some of their agencies located on the West Shore where the majority of the growth is, especially given that the lion's share of the traffic and congestion coming into the city from the West Shore are coming in to work in government offices. So if you if you actually had the government offices closer to where the people lived, it would it would also alleviate some of the congestion potentially that currently exists on the way into town. That's great, and that would be very welcome. I can tell you. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, um, awesome. Well, I appreciate you giving giving some context here. There's some really great insights about kind of the future of what the, the region has. I want to quickly ask you about uh, your family a little bit. Um, I went through kind of your corporate bio. You mentioned that you coach your sons in sports. Has there, has there been a couple of things that you've learned 
um, from kind of your experience in coaching and maybe some crossovers into your professional life? I, I think the best thing, selfishly, the best thing about about being a coach is is um, getting more time to spend with my my three boys. So I coach all of them in in soccer and baseball and but soccer is really my sport and and soccer is what I've uh, I played up or I grew up playing um and it's a good way to give back to the community so love love coaching um and I you know I, I love I love to compete I love winning and, and there's just so many similarities between sport and business and and I think kids these days especially with this lack of competitive sports over the last year with covid i mean now more than ever do they need sport but it, you know for whatever reason in youth sport it's almost frowned upon these days um to strive to win like society is telling us that every kid deserves to get a trophy or a medal just for participating and i i completely and wholeheartedly disagree i think kids need to learn that it takes effort and commitment to win they need to learn how to get back up and dust themselves off when they lose and, and lose graciously. They need, they need to understand that winning is about improving and growing and challenging yourself. And these days more than ever, kids need more encouragement to get out there and be the best that they can be both in life and sport. And I just, I love being a part of that. Yeah, no, I, and I completely agree with you too. I think it dovetails nicely into what you had talked about earlier with just the focus on hard work. And I know for myself, even like I grew up playing hockey and, if you didn't work hard, you didn't get to play. And so, I mean, that was, I'm yeah. sure it's the same soccer. Good old days. Yeah. Well, you yeah. on rep teams, I think that's, that's still the case, but. It, yeah. it is, yeah. Um, okay, that's great. I've got four quick ones for you uh, to finish this up. Um, first one on uh, personal professional development. You're a big reader, podcast guy. What are you, what are you doing to kind of, to grow on a, on a personal professional level there? Um probably a combination of a couple of sayings, healthy, healthy body, healthy mind, and, and early bird gets the worm. Um, my wife and I get up at 4 a.m. for our workouts. A lot of people think we're completely insane, but it's in reality, it's the only time we ever get um, if we want to make time for, for a workout. And I'm a huge believer in that, but I, I, I'm multitasking because when I'm working out, I'm, I'm listening to audiobooks, podcasts, YouTube, primarily self-development material or biographies of successful people both athletes and and business people and i mean i'm just constantly studying success and what successful people do to be great yeah no i love that uh an app or a piece of software that you can't live without well like i was saying earlier trying to get uh online here not much of a <laughs> tech guy but i definitely can't live without my one soccer app um, that's the app that I use to watch the Pacific FC, our, our local Canadian Premier League team, soccer team, yeah. which uh, which I'm a, a proud part owner of. Um, oh wow! And uh, and a huge fan, huge fan of the sport, the game, and the team. Love it. Uh, best personal advice that you've received? I think there's one specific or particular, but I think you know for having just constantly looking for ways to improve and reading and listening, um, talking with, with mentors and successful people. Um, you got to have a, a, a winner's mindset. Um, and I always, I always say my only real competition is myself. Um, I, I, I tend to send set unrealistic goals and, and, and then I expect to achieve them. And 
you know, there's a, there's a great quote um, from Tom Brady, actually, on that point and on the topic of sport and business. Even though I'm a huge Seahawks fan, I'll quote Tom Brady because I, I do like this quote. But there was a reporter that asked him, of the, of the seven Super Bowl rings that you now have, which one's your favorite? And his response was, was legendary, and that was the next one. And I, I just love that. It's, it's just this cont- continuously striving to be better. No, I love that big Brady friend myself. Uh, favorite last one for you, favorite restaurant uh, on Vancouver Island or maybe the Victoria area? Yeah, no, I think um, when my wife and I are with our, our three boys, it's um, I think a couple, a couple I'd name would definitely be Binford Burger Lounge and uh, Sabai Thai, two family favorites. And then when I'm lucky enough to get out with my my wife on date night or with friends or clients uh, have to have to go with Deep Cove Chalet uh, and Il Trasso. Thanks for stopping by From the Trenches, the Business Examiner podcast. If you want to learn more about the interviewee, please check the web and social links provided in the video or listening platform description. Please send any feedback to info at businessexaminer.ca with the subject line podcast. We'll see you next week.